Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. instinct feeling the force brought us together we're not alone good people will fight if we lead them people keep telling me they know me no one does Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is an Alien Minute Productions special episode, I guess. It's been a long time since we've done one. We're going to talk today about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I thought it was The Phantom Empire. The Phantom Empire? No, The Phantom Menace. Sorry. We're not the talking rise about of The Phantom Menace. The, the, the Return of the Last Jedi. Well, so, uh, since we're talking about... You can start with the title, but that's okay. Go ahead. No, it's okay, because I just read, Mitch, you maybe haven't seen anything about this. Apparently, the title was originally going to be Duel of the Fates, the big track from Phantom Menace. That would have been fine. That was, I think that was Trevor Rose. I, I'm just reading some leaks today. Apparently, his script kind of leaked, possibly. Uh, Colin Trevorrow's original one that they canned him for. Oh, and really? And brought J.J. on for, yeah. So, so it's, on the, it's on the internet? Maybe, what I read about it sounded pretty legit, and apparently his title was Duel of the Fates, hearkening back to the first movie. Um, no, to the first. Oh, the, the first. The first movie. You know what I mean. The yeah. first of the uh, of the right. arc or whatever. Right. Which I, I'm kind of like, hey, that's kind of cool. I actually always really like that track. <laughs> well, it's better than The Rise of Skywalker, which I've got something to say about yeah, that, Yeah, Rise too. of Skywalker is not a great title. I don't think any of us, even Archer, 
<laughs> when the tr- first who, trailer who came ha- out with how old? Rise of Skywalker is what he said after we saw the trailer. He's like, what? Um, he was six at the time that that trailer came out, seven now. So seven upon viewing the movie. So we're a little we'll late to the party. I mean, the internet has already exploded for weeks and weeks and weeks, but well, it's still kind of exploding, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People are still griping hardcore right. and defending hardcore. And I'm kind of glad. I, we didn't need to be in the in the midst of all that uh, completely. We, we're usually kind of the outsider's... Anyway, on this stuff, we're not like hot take artists we, or anything like that. We so. don't want to disappoint the 25 listeners that, that are. Oh, we have a lot. Well, yeah, we have a lot more than 25 <laughs> million. I was like, I was thinking, wait, Patreon? You're no, this isn't a Patreon episode. This should be on. This will be on the regular, regular feed. feed you're yeah. listening to it on the regular feed. So I think we've got a lot more than that, Mitch. But, okay. Um, 75. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, so we're talking about, we did one of these for The Last Jedi. I can't even remember. Had, had we even started doing the show yet when For- Force Awakens came out? I don't think so. I don't think so, but maybe I can't we remember. did talk about Rogue One a little bit at some point. I can't even remember. Yeah, a little bit, maybe. But uh, we did a full-on episode for The Last Jedi, which I think is still maybe our most listened-to episode, period. Even more than, like, Alien episodes? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's weird. Well, people seek that out. You know, there's hashtags yeah. involved and whatnot. So, Mitch, you want to start us off here? Uh, sure. Um so I saw the movie twice, and the first time I saw it, I was about four or five days late to to the party. So I had already been trying to not hear anything anybody was saying about the movie and not read any reviews, but it was hard to escape the fact that there was some controversy, but on the other hand, that's to be expected because the fans are so um, vocal. So I just wanted to say, uh, to start with, a long time ago, in an America far, far away, I saw Star Wars in 1977 when it came out in the movie theaters. And so I'm hardwired to expect certain things from a Star Wars movie. And those things are, you know, space battles and, and swashbuckling and cool effects and an adventure film and mythology. And, and if you can give me that and not insult my intelligence, I'm pretty happy. Like, I don't really like the first three, the prequels, very much. As you know, I liked um, The Force Awakens, and I really liked The Last Jedi, although I guess there's a lot of people who didn't. Uh, So I was kind of like, all right, I expected it was going to be, obviously, more like Force Awakens, probably, than Last Jedi, given that the filmmaker involved was the same person. And I knew that there were a lot of boxes that were going to have to be checked, because it was going to be the last one. And I actually had a pretty satisfying experience on the first viewing. I didn't have any real desire to pick it apart. I was moved at several places. I didn't know, because I hadn't read anything about it, I didn't know what the deal was with Carrie Fisher, whether she was still alive and shot stuff before she... I mean, I didn't know what any of that. So I didn't know that that was all a a, a CG miracle that was going on. There were a couple moments where... I wondered whether it was a double because we were behind her. There was, it was, and clearly it was. It yeah. was Billy Lord. Yeah. I believe she, her own daughter, did the double yeah. for the most part. Um, and so, well, uh, sorry, not in every, not in every scene. But we can talk about that later. Yeah, but I, I, anyway, I didn't know, and it didn't strike me as anything that was wrong. I guess I, you know, I don't know the other movies well enough to know whether there were shots that clearly were from a take from another movie. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't watch it that closely. So I was m- moved by all of that stuff. I think I, I had tears in my eyes three or four times over the course of the movie. And there's no doubt that when I went and saw it a second time, 
I was probably a little bit more critical, but I just wanted to say that I had a great time with the movie and I wasn't particularly disappointed at all. I mean, I was pretty satisfied. Both both times. The second time I struggled with the third act because I I knew what we were watching and right. I was much more attuned to what was going on and you know, I suppose the big takeaway is that at the end of the day I feel like J.J. Abrams is a TV writer and he tells his stories the way stories are told on TV, which means lots and lots of verbal action, verbal exposition. There's a lot of places where the story isn't being told visually. Like if you turn the sound off with the big reveal of Palpatine being grandpa and when she gets that word, when he tells her that stuff, I was like the first time I almost missed it because it's so not visual. It's completely carried by dialogue and, and I don't know. So there there were a lot of places where I felt like, oh, God, everybody just shut up. Can't you just tell the story visually? Yeah. Star Wars is a, a, a great vehicle for visual storytelling, too, because you can do anything you want. Kylo, I mean, look, they can relate to each other over space. Like, they can communicate with each other without speaking, as indicated in the opening, when she does her training montage, her little training mission, you know, running around, and he's, like, messing with her. Yeah. Why not come up with a cool, clever way for him to convey this information to her that way? Like a night, not literally a nightmare, but it could have been a living, like waking nightmare or something he feeds to her. I'm I'm just riffing off of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But there's so many ways you could do it. If you think about the big reveal in The Empire Strikes Back, we were really prepared for it visually by the scene in the cave and the face in the mask, right? And I remember seeing that movie the first time in the theaters and thinking, oh my God, it's going to be... Could it be that he's his, it's his father, right? And so we're not prepared visually at all for the big revelation that happens. And so that, for me, well, was problematic. Except there isn't a revelation either. Even when he tells her that, that's not a revelation because we know that that's what he says to him. We don't hear him say it to Kylo Ren. We don't hear Palpatine say it to Kylo Ren in that first scene. Yeah. But you know that's what he's saying. Yeah. It was kind I of, thought maybe they'd be brother and sister that that way they'd do that really? one. They, they maybe would do that one again. But uh, you know, again, I, those are asking questions that I really uh, I shouldn't be asking. You know, I don't. Yeah, I personally don't care. Well, I'll, I'll set it up this way too. A long time ago, in 1978, my parents took me to see Star Wars while it was still running in theaters. I think I've told the story already. It's my first memory in life. I really can't remember anything else before it. So literally, Star Wars has been there for me from day one and it means a lot to me um to the point where during the dark ages of star wars i read every book that they put out i i just needed to eat more star wars i didn't care yeah and if anyone i'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with the quality of some of those stories in the 90s those uh extended universe stories are some of them are awful I mean, terrible, those poorly executed stories, dumb character moves, all kinds of stuff. I didn't care. And I think I'm kind of still the same way. Right. To me, my criteria is different for Star Wars than it is for other movies. And uh, again, I think that goes to the, uh, speaks to the fact that it's so deep-seated in me that I, I need it to be good enough. You know what I mean? To a point where my critical eye... I just don't really have a strong critical eye for Star Wars. I as long as there's the pew pew and the and the ships and the like you said swashbuckling, and then on a technical standpoint, I, I do need it to look good, and I need it. I need the performances to be 
kind of good at least, which is where the prequel to me the prequels fail on those counts. Oh, totally. Those movies look awful to me, and the performances short of a couple of people are just ghastly. And the scripts are pretty terrible too. The scripts are terrible, but I can kind of live with that with Star Wars. I can, like I said, the storytelling to to a certain extent. I'm very forgiving. Yeah. And I, I accept everything about the prequels. It's there. To me, Star Wars almost as it's almost as if it's real history to me in some weird way. Like even if the if the ideas are dumb, I don't think that the, the idea of Leia being Luke's sister is a good idea. But of course I accept it a hundred percent. It right. happened. You know, that's kinda how I look at it. So going into this movie, I really like The Force Awakens as well. I loved The Last Jedi. I went into this movie thinking it's probably going to land about the same way Return of the Jedi does for me <laughs> as far as how I see the original trilogy, and it pretty much did. Um, I think the Return of the Jedi is kind of clumsy. Yeah. I think it doesn't work. It's it's um, re- a bit repetitive, you know, or, or uh, derivative of itself in a weird way, you know, just going back to the old Death Star well. Um, this movie is a little bit of that. But it's messy in a different way too. I, I there are I do have some major complaints about this movie, but in the end, I really did enjoy it, and I went and saw it a second time, and I enjoyed it even more. And the third time, still enjoyed it. I've seen it three times, and I I can't say that there's been a point where I've been like oh enough of that like I did with Phantom Menace, where I kind of enjoyed Phantom Menace the first time, and the second time okay, the third time I was like wait a minute, <laughs> this is not going well, and I tried one more time, and I walked out. So I'm not there with this movie yet, and I'll probably see it one more time in the theater just to check, kind of check it again. Yeah, I watched The Last Jedi in preparation for seeing this, you know, and I've seen that movie a half dozen times. And now it's getting really hard when Benicio Del Toro shows up. From there all through the Casino Planet stuff is really rough going for me. I I mean, I feel like you could snip that 20 minutes out of the middle of the movie and that would just be... I'd be so happy. (laughs) I don't agree with all of that. I don't. It's my least favorite part of the movie. I think that's the consensus. Even people that like the movie a lot typically don't. will say, well, that part's not my favorite. Thematically, I think it's great. I think that he's he's working with different threads, thematic threads with all the kind of pairings off of people or the different thread lines. Well, the pairings off when you get you got your Poe and your uh, Holdo and you got your Rose and, and Finn and so on. Um, I think that thematic line with them is great when it culminated culminating into failure, linking back into the failure that Yoda talks about, the failure that Luke feels like he's experienced, that Ray finds so frustrating and so on. So to me, that works really well in a co- cohesively, thematically, cohesively bringing all the all the um, the plot threads together. But aesthetically, it's not my favorite the performance i'm with you on del toro at first i thought it was kind of fun and now i find it really obnoxious well and what's weird is when i was watching um the rise of skywalker when we got to the planet the desert planet with you know what looked like burning man going on i thought oh no it's going to be the casino planet all over again i was so worried and i was so relieved that it wasn't that where it went was interesting and then lando shows up and then we're we're out and into one of the best set pieces in the whole film uh, which is followed by the most one of the more problematic things in the whole film but um anyway so for me i was, was going to ask you the question is there a chunk of um the rise of skywalker that you would just snip out if you could oh snip out yeah there's a couple of things i do, i really the end when 
they show you know they go to indoor they go to Vespin yeah showing that just is unnecessary and and the funny thing about that is it's it's in their minds are they saying oh we're really hearkening back to Return of the Jedi no you're hearkening back to the Return of the Jedi special edition yeah like that's not from Return of the Jedi you're actually doing you're actually showing us things that remind me of the terrible editions that were made to Return of the Jedi um, I would snip that out mostly I would reorder things honestly like I I don't really have problems with any specific scenes okay well you just mentioned it the most problematic to me the most problematic like technical editorial storytelling moment in the whole movie is the Chewbacca situation okay that is so out of order and weird to me I I, I, I don't personally have a problem with killing Chewbacca and then bringing him back oh he wasn't dead I really don't have a problem with that it's not the best but it, they could have ridden that emotional beat for a lot longer. Well, they're totally, af they're afraid. They, 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 they clearly <laughs> chickened out. Oh, yeah. They're so afraid that the audience is going to just say, fuck you, movie. You just killed off Chewbacca, and how dare you? Oh. I just think that that would have been so awful to to really drag it out, especially where we were in the in the, in the the story. The story was just barely getting started, frankly. I don't, I don't agree that it would have been terrible to drag it. I think you do that, and everybody's like, I mean, I was with her when she screamed his name. She's so good, man. But so do we just know, though, that since we didn't actually see him die, is there a part in the back of our brain that goes, oh, he's not really dead because that's I, how movies work? I was there. I don't know. I was I was in all in. You thought he was dead. I did. Because I, these movies have killed people. And, it's and I, true. And this would be a new way to do it. The Han thing wasn't a total surprise, but it apparently surprised a lot of people. It didn't surprise me, but... I had my own preconceived notions about that. The Luke thing was lovely and poetic. This could have been harsh and given us this like, oh my God moment, you know. And we could have ridden it for a cup, like a, a for a good sequence, right? We right. get we get onto oh, yeah. this this little snowy city planet with Zori character and so on, the droid Smith and everything. And the discovery could have been made there, right where they discover it, and I would have been perfectly fine with that. But they asked us. Okay, so you would have had to you out. would have had to have added a grief moment that was a really profound like I think where was, you just stop the movie the way that after Obi Wan Kenobi is killed and really and truly just take that moment then then it would be an even more dishonest misdirect so I don't know uh, I think it would have been in the spirit of Star Wars yeah they're not always honest with their misdirects here's how I see it Daisy Ridley's so amazing Adam Driver's so amazing as well I'll, I'll talk about him here too because that set piece this moment when Chewie supposedly dies I thought was amazing I thought I was I still think it's one of the visually best things in the whole movie her reaching up and grabbing that and then him reaching up and pulling it and yeah but why the fuck didn't Finn just shoot him or do something oh, to distract him I'm serious bitch. I'm serious I'm totally <laughs> serious I'm watching that I thought that was dreadful I thought for me that's really when, for me that's when the, oh, wow. when the whole sequence goes off the rails is when they're doing the thing with the light beams that's fighting over the thing and Finn is standing there just with his mouth open and it's kind of like why don't you just aim your gun and shoot at 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 at, at Kylo Ren and distract him enough that she can finish this out it well, made no sense to can me I, can I, I'll, and I don't God, like thinking do we have about to get, that do way. we have to get this way about it I don't like getting this way about it well at all. for one thing the the very first thing Finn ever sees Kylo Ren do is stop a while doing something else, stop a blaster bolt in midair. So Finn, if you want to get didactic about it, Finn has seen that that doesn't work already once. All the way back at the beginning of Force Awakens. Good. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, 
there's about 100 of these points that could have happened in any Star Wars movie. Like, why are you complaining about this one now? How many times just, could Darth Vader have been shot while he was... I, I just think because it's such a it's such a ridiculously gigantic spectacle moment, and the visual is so outrageous that um, I, I just... I don't know. I just okay. wish they'd have knocked him out or something. It just why or just don't oh, cu- don't remind me that he's standing there watching, which they do. They cut away to him, and it's yeah, just kind of like he's part I, of the. Yeah. Well, I I didn't have any problem with it all, and when, okay, I have to I have to get personal here about my experience of watching it the first time. I watched it with my son Archer, who's seven years old, who has a giant Chewbacca blanket that he uses every single day. Chewbacca toys, Chewbacca's his man. When Chewbacca leaves, and this will get into the experience of watching Star Wars a little bit and why it worked. this worked for me the first time. When Chewbacca is sent out to get Rey, go get Rey, we got to get going. Chewbacca comes out and it's framed up with the Knights of Ren watching him walk away, right? Very, telegra- t- very much telegraphing Chewbacca's in trouble. Archer grabs my arm. I look over and he looks at me with, t- with terror in his eyes. He's reading the shot. He said, is Chewbacca going to die? That's what he says. I said, I don't know, bud. I got the feeling it was too. So we watch it, and then he gets arrested. I breathe a huge sigh of relief. I don't care if that's dumb. Right. I just am glad, oh, maybe Chewbacca's not going to die. Then this thing happens. And now I am totally sold by Daisy Ridley's screaming, Chewie! And the tears in her eyes. And, yeah, Adam Driver. And the fact that there's no second ship that could possibly be taken there was away. A, yeah, you, the, yeah, there is. You see it earlier when oh, they, okay. they arrest him. Okay. Kylo Ren even gives a... Watch Adam Driver. Next time you watch this movie, watch his face there. He ain't happy about it either. It's weird. I think there's this moment where they might have talked about it and said, hey, you know what? This is, this is the family dog. At one point, you loved him too. I do think that moment's there with Kylo Ren. And I looked over at Archer... And he was crying. <laughs> and he's never done that in a movie theater. Never has anything ever made him cry during a movie. But his eyes were like red rings, tears, everything. Oh, wow. And I was Ouch. like, oh, my God. And all I could, and I, my stomach was like upset. All these things, you know. So when they did that, like, I don't know, what was it, like five minutes later? If, if that, that. If that. <laughs> that they reveal that he's in a real ham-fisted, terrible yeah, scene. That could be completely excised from the movie. I was happy. <laughs> I was glad that scene was there the right. first time. I was glad Archer could, well, didn't have to be upset anymore. I was glad I wasn't upset That's anymore. That's why they had to chicken out. Well, I still, I believe my son could have ridden it out for another 10 minutes and then <laughs> would have been even more relieved. That's what films... Take the punishment, son. It'll no, make you a better man. But it's not punishment because there wasn't... He wasn't dead. You st- it's The reveal's the reveal. No matter when it happens, it didn't have to happen so soon. Yeah. And then you're asking us... Here's where it really bothers me. Then you're asking us to kind of go along with the character's motivation is. They literally say it out loud. We'll do it for Chewie. Chewie shouldn't have died for... We know Chewie's not dead, so you're saying Chewie shouldn't have died for no, you know, it's terrible. Died for nothing. Come on, make us believe what they're saying yeah. during these scenes. That's where it was just a massive error, massive error. That's my biggest problem with the whole movie. It's just a like, how do you watch the yeah any cut of this movie and go? That's a terrible idea. We should take that out. <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't. I don't agree with you. I think that we've we've experienced all kinds of death. Dumbledore died in Harry Potter. Like we've experienced all kinds of death in movies. We can handle it. 
It's part of going to the movies. Yeah. It's cathartic. Sometimes it's cathartic. Sometimes you just deal with it. Sometimes you get the reveal. Oh, they weren't dead. And it's a people would have probably cheered had they found out a, found a good way to reveal that. People in the theater would have been so relieved because you got to make them believe it for long enough that right. it hurts. I agree. And then find that perfect S- note. So you either do it or you don't do it. Right. right? To yeah. me, it was a slop, a very sloppy. So, and and to me, I think that could have made the heart of the that could have been the heart of the movie in a way. Like you could have really found a big emotional beat that might have carried a lot of people through this movie, made them feel like much more satisfied by the movie than they were. But I know a lot of people just called bullshit right there as soon as they show him and growl, you know, growls behind him and the hair comes up. Yeah, people were like, Jesus Christ, that's terrible. Now, like I said, the first time I was just relieved that he was alive. Second time I was like, man, that's bad. No, <laughs> that's I really agree. Bad I agree with you. And I, I and for me the, and since we're talking about the two, that's your biggest gripe with the movie. Yeah, pretty much is. Yeah. So my biggest gripe, I think, is that I really liked the idea that she was Ray from nowhere, and yeah. I thought that to have to, once again, tie it into some kind of blood lineage, it's a much richer idea to me. Um, yeah. And that and that we've seen that the force, you know, you don't have to be royalty to have the force to be able to feel it and use it and everything. So I don't know. I felt like and then having her go at the end back to Luke's place. And yeah, I like seeing those two st- those two sons as well. But it's kind of like, w- again, why and why do you now call yourself Skywalker? And I just thought it was really a bridge too far for me. Okay, so I'll just play. Dev- I don't disagree with you totally, but I'll play devil's advocate just a little bit. Um, and I've I've kind of defended this choice just a little bit with people because they're flat out. I think people have been flat out dismissive of it, as if oh, well, there's nothing to be taken from this. And I agree. I like the Ray from Nowhere thing too. I like the idea that you can be from nowhere. Anyone can be from nowhere, and and the force is still theirs to experience. It's still that is still there. That is not gone. Right, I agree. That has not been destroyed. The, the kid with the broom still has no, the force. you're right. You're right. And now Finn does Finn, too. Finn can feel it too. Yeah, Finn's got it too. And maybe even his uh, his friend. I don't know. Maybe the girl. She has she has a feeling too. You know all that stuff. You know, I don't know. <laughs> there's, we can um, talk about that too. <laughs> um, obviously, there's more weight to it to the idea if it is the protagonist who is the one that's from nowhere. But I can understand also. If you're the guy, if you're the guy who wrote the first act of this three act story, obviously that's what he wanted to do. He, I, I'm not saying necessarily it was Palpatine, but clearly J.J. Abrams' idea was that she was connected. To, there was some kind of familiar familial thing. There's no way that she's waiting for her parents, and her parents are such a focus. And a guy like J.J. Abrams doesn't have an idea about where he wants that to go. Right. Johnson, Ryan Johnson, said. I wanted her to have the hardest answer she could get to that question. Now, to me, that doesn't necessarily say that's the end of it. That's just the hardest question, answer to the question she could get at that point in time. And that still works in The Last Jedi. This does not undo The Last Jedi to me at all. I think that still works. It's still a, a, a profound beat for her. But then you bring J.J. Abrams back on the scene, and I, I, I could understand him wanting to say, hey... She's still. I I had this idea. I still want to. It's play a around dumb with that idea. idea, though. It's a pretty dumb idea. But here's the thing about the Skywalker thing at the end that everybody hates so much. I I and I I kind of don't understand why the hate 
the just dismissive hate. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But people are dismissing it as just a dumb idea. That's her taking her name. She's not being forced. The Pal- the Palpatine thing's not being forced on her. Right. I mean, it was, but she dismissed it. She took control of it, and she chose a name. To me, that's a strong beat. That's a choice she made. I don't understand. You don't have to like it. But to me, I don't quite understand being completely dismissive of it. She at least made the choice for herself. And I it, and it brings us around. And, and, you know, that's what kind of storytelling we're, we're in. We're... George liked the poetry that rhymes. Everything comes back around at some point. That's the thing. He, that's the template he set no, up, and true. they're following through with it. I again, like I think it's. I think there's all kinds of dumb all over this movie. So don't get me wrong. I mean, that's been my first comment about this movie from day one, from the first time I saw it. It's pretty dumb, but I still like it. Okay, yeah. it's not nearly as smart as the Last Jedi, and I guess people, you know, maybe the last people have heard from us. About the Last Jedi, I think you had seen it once, and I'd seen it twice when we did that episode. And that might be the last. I've seen the Last Jedi like twenty five times now. Yeah, I absolutely adore it. My kid loves it. We watch it all the time, um, and I think it's brilliant. Even if it does have weak points in it, it's beautiful to look at. It's smart as hell. This movie is not smart as hell. No, and it's so <laughs> there's funny. There's very little smart there's, in this there's, movie. There's but. so much verbal gymnastics going on because the, <laughs> I thought that the whole um, at the end when it was like. Okay, now he, he, Palpatine's saying, "You kill me, and all of the all of the Sith for all eternity is now going to go into you." So it's basically yeah. saying, "You can't kill me because if you do, you'll become me." And it's kind of like that's such like mental gymnastics. It's like, okay, now I have to find a different way to kill him. So thankfully, I'll get a second lightsaber and make a cross, and then it'll bounce back into him and yeah, blow yeah, him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, really? It's just so kind of. Uh, it doesn't, well, I mean, you just explained it, but it doesn't add up to anything. And there's I, no I, visual representation. I, I really don't care about, I I don't have, here's the other thing I, I'm okay with about the Palpatine thing. And I wish they would have leaned into this. I don't think she had to be a Palpatine. I, I kind of like that he came back. I think they could have maybe made, set it up a little bit better. But this idea of her having the, Past, the history of the Jedi as being kind of her, the voices, however you want to put that, and him having the converse, that's fine with me. To me, that where do you go with the la- from the Last Jedi with her? The Last Jedi feels a little bit like a closed arc for her in a way, in, in a in a kind of it's a bit anticlimactic in a way, but not in a bad way. This you're from nowhere, you're gonna be you are the Last Jedi. They could have left it there. If you got to do a third third part of her arc. Now she's now she has to deal with being the last Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. So the very first thing we see of her, which just made, by the way, made Archer gasp audibly in the theater when he saw her floating, meditating. Oh, he he loves the meditation stuff in Star Wars. It's so weird, but she's trying to connect with the Jedi of the past. That's what she's doing. Palpatine is a the perfect guy that we already know who embodies the past, the dark past, right? That is a counterpart for her. Who else is going to be the counterpart? I mean, Kylo Ren, I guess, is he doing the same thing as she is with the Jedi? Maybe. Um, but then what happens? Then you can't, then his redemptive arc is out of play, right? Like, his redemptive arc, which is over. It's really amazing how once the scene with Han Solo is over, his arc is f- kind of finished, which oh, I think is pretty interesting. Like, I love it. 
I, I know. I'm just yeah. saying it's interesting because like he, he disappears from the movie for 20 minutes and then he just comes running in to try to save the day um, with those silly knights that don't ever do anything. Yeah. So, no, it's fine. It puts the focus back on her and I guess that that's the box you got to check. So they're going to check that box. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like it left me a little cold. I, for example, I got a much bigger charge out of seeing her put on the helmet. Uh, the X-wing helmet, because the first time we saw her, she was pretending to be an yep. X-wing fighter. For me, that was a that was a closing of a circle that I really appreciated. Although I will say that she should have been the one to raise the X-wing out of the water, not the ghostly oh, oh. Luke. Yeah, that's the other part I have a big problem with. But go ahead, finish your thought. No, that so that's just my thought. <laughs> For me, that was such a that she becomes you know really this. I mean, what's more emblematic of the rebellion than a than a somebody in an x-wing right like, mm -hmm. and that she becomes that yeah that's the last jedi that's the that's the new skywalker whatever you want to do i don't need i don't need this other stuff yeah, i know i'm with you i'm believe me everything so i'm like saying is extra, a bit of, it's like there's yeah. extra boxes <laughs> it's extra boxes you got enough boxes to check you don't need to add extra boxes that you yes, have to check that's true. you know like well, and yeah. that's the beauty of the second film is that it didn't have very many boxes to check it had this whole sandbox to play in. It did it with such, you know, verve and humor and and winks. And I felt like it's weird because usually the second movie in the trilogy is like the dark one, and the and and it's weird with this film. The middle one is the is the uh, is the the funny one, you know. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the bright one. It's it's wonderful and it's emotional and everything, but it's definitely the bright one for me. It's also pretty dark. I mean, po to me, Poe's arc, that a lot of people have a problem with Poe's ar uh, arc in that, is really dark. He's re he's personally responsible, because of hubris, personally responsible for a lot of deaths. Yeah, but we don't know any of those people versus the first movie where we know Han Solo and he dies. It's pretty it's pretty, he yeah, it's pretty no, heavy. Yeah, that's true. So it's it's dark. We know Holdo, and she kind of ends up having to sacrifice herself for, you know. Yeah. I mean, we don't know her but like she, Han Solo, but, you know, but, but still, she, yeah, and she, it but is Lord Dern. It's her, it is her plan, but she's going to, you know. She, so. It wasn't her plan to destroy Remember that n the only reason why they ever found out any of that, that they were escaping that plane at all was because Finn and Rose were over there because Poe sent them and never told anybody. Right. And what a lot of people forget, by the way, I'll just go back and, and like, for those who still nitpick the Holdo situation in The Last Jedi, you got to remember that they they keep getting found out for some reason. And he never tells her his plan. Everybody's always mad that, well, why didn't she tell him the plan? She doesn't trust anybody because some somebody something's going on, right. and he doesn't tell her that he's got people out doing shit. So if he would have just said, "Hey, I've got them doing this shit, and here's why they know where we are all the time," then she wouldn't have. She would have probably told him the right. plan anyway. Right. Um, uh, there's, there's to me, there is a lot of darkness last Jedi, but I'm not. I, I agree with you, though, that it is it is more fun. And winky, and it's know, it's it's physically, visually brighter. It is than yeah. than Force of Awakens. So the the palette of it is, and the light frequency is just it's just not as dark yeah. a movie. Yeah. The other two on either side of it, the first and the third, are are both way darker visually. I, I will say, I I do think of, of anything that we're going to end up taking away from the rest, the rise of Skywalker. That I think in the years to come, even the people that don't like it very much are going to go. Well, I'd give it to. I think that. I think Abrams is really good at framing up some shots, Star Wars shots, man. Oh, yeah. There's some stuff in this movie that's so good looking. Yeah. Um, specifically, like, he does that throne room situation. So we're hearkening back to Return of the Jedi. We're in the throne room where it all went down at the end of, of Return of the Jedi. And he's got it, like, 
kind of canted the camera kind of canted a little bit and i don't know if he's using kind of a long lens during some of the fighting that they're doing but it, it's got this kind of graininess almost to it and she does and then they do a fight and she he jumps kylo ren jumps down into this hole and she follows him and it just feels so much like empire strikes back and yeah. it looks like the well and it helps they're so shooting much. film so they are shooting so film that helps and um, a, lot, a lot of the stuff that was going on on what you call like the burning man planet like little things like they get on the ship and you got this uh this like these blinds that they're looking through that he's racking focus through them and i think you know whether you like the moment or not i think that moment where she's framed up holding her hand up over the shoulder grabbing that shuttle down to save che- to bring chewy back it's beautiful well yeah i think that that the performances are arguably better in this movie than yeah. in than in ryan johnson's movie i don't know what that we can attribute it to but you might be able to attribute it to the fact that he's He's really good with those actors. He is. And, and yeah. it may be that he's, when it comes to this movie, he's a better director than he is a writer. Oh, he's, de- well, he's definitely a better director than he is a writer. I think that's, to me, that's a fact. Yeah. Um, I think he's a very good at casting. He's very good at casting young actors. I think Super 8 has a really great cast and is a ton of fun for about two-thirds of the movie. Right, I agree. I think it's kind of an, it's kind of an excellent, while very derivative film, that falls apart horribly in the third act. But those kids are a lot of fun, and he's really good at, at just getting, a, like, moving from scene to scene. Um, like I said, framing, we, we've already talked about his visual storytelling, but visually, like, framing shots and moving us from scene to scene transitions, visual transitions, are, he's great at all that kind of stuff. And again, that's kind of, might be kind of TV stuff, because, well, we gotta get this in, in 50, this alias minute episode in, in 50 minutes. How do we cut? How do we shoot? And I think he's good at that. Uh, really good he, at keeping all those plates spinning. And it, is, it really yeah. had a lot going on that, that had to be managed. And so there is that. I mean, that's one of the things that makes it such an interesting movie because of all of those things. And there's plenty of things that could have gone really wrong that didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that are, are really kind of wonderful in it. Yeah. And so it's... I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't read enough to hear what people are complaining about. I suspect it's probably some of the stuff that we've been talking about today. Well, well you know how people are now. I mean, maybe that's how they always were. But if, if they decide they don't like a movie, boy, they're going to just tear it apart every way and, and make assumptions about the belief systems of the people that made it. You know, like it, it just gets ridiculous sometimes. So I can't even swim through what people's real complaints are about the movie half the time. And it's it's at the end of the day, it's still just. Star Wars, and I don't yeah. mean to minimize it, but it's going back to what Star Wars started out as is it's a high adventure space opera with a mythological underpinning. And in fact, there were a couple of moments where there was mythic stuff going on that 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 was like unusual to me. And I felt like, oh, that's that's really kind of bold storytelling because it's making up its own mythology in places. Yeah. And it's and I wouldn't normally see that in a particular myth, but that's happened. It's also moved from being very Japanese in the in the first couple of Star Wars movies, you know, in the 70s and early 80s, and it's become way more Chinese. You know, it's gone from Ooh. samurai to wushu cuz like when I saw Princess Leia in the second in in uh, Last Jedi flying through space, I was yeah. like, okay, we've moved completely away from from Kurosawa and now we're in the realm of, you know, King Who or something. Right. I will say that one of the things that, from a storytelling perspective that I thought a lot of people are finding obnoxious about this movie, but I thought was really refreshing 
was that it settled in and it became kind of a treasure hunt movie for a little bit. And I I liked that. I'm not sure why people have a problem with it. Oh, do they hate the protractor thing that spins they, out they and just matches hate, up with the shape of the... I'm, I'm going to take people to task on this right They hate now. the hood ornament? Uh, the hood ornament's pretty silly. Oh, I thought the hood ornament was kind of fun <laughs> and definitely a Lucasy thing to do. That's true, isn't um, it? It's a great car, yeah. Guys, those of you out there, you know, you're all you're all welcome to have your thoughts and feelings about Star Wars. But I'm really tired of hearing people say, well, that's just not Star wars or That's just not like Star Wars. It's like Star Wars is ever-changing. It's pastiche. People. It's a, it's it a always, million different things smashed together in a blender. And, and it's like, what do you mean that's not Star Wars? I don't, like, I, the, one of the things that people say often, including our, our brothers in arms at the Star Wars Minute, are things like, well, when he said that, it didn't sound like Star Wars. It sounded too earthy. And I'm like, they've always said earthy things. Always said, you slang. Luke says, it's in the Empire Strikes Back at some point. I'm trying to remember. I think he says it to Chewbacca. He says, take it easy. Like, oh, what does he listen to? Eagles records? Just now? I mean, yeah. All, of course, it's going to have earthy things said in it because the people that make it are from and Earth. You're even, not going to have them going zip zop all the time. Even the line, they were talking about something being online or offline, and I just I thought, oh, that's so funny because in 1977, that line would never exist no because there wasn't such thing yeah. as online and offline. So it's just, yeah, but, it, it, it evolves, it shifts, it changes, and, it's, and it is still, right. it's still being made by humans who are living in whatever year the movie was made in. Exactly, and so there's this entire sequence. Now, to get back to more of the style, the points there's an entire sequence in this movie that's very indiana jones fine what's wrong with that i like that and we've never had have we ever had that in star wars i'm, I'm trying to think of have we really had the treasure hunt like okay we're trying to find a thing we found a thing that helps us find the thing now we have to decode the thing we have to go to this guy to decode the, obviously very derivative the whole the knife the dagger very derivative of the headpiece yeah i thought it was cool and I thought it took us to really cool places. And so we moved from one place to another for different reasons than we usually do. Usually it's there's a guy there we got to go get her. You know, even in Attack of the Clones, one of my things that I actually like about Attack of the Clones is that it goes detective story for a minute. Right. Obi-Wan gets right. sent out on a detective mission. And I guess people, I have a problem, I have tons of problems with that movie. That isn't one of them. No, a that's friend of mine of was talking like. about how much he loves that part of that movie. Yeah. But that's what saves it for him. So is, to the, me, is the Sherlock Holmes, the detective thing that, that happens. Having to act, you know, like having to roll with the moments, detective style, where people are saying things that, and he's got to act like he understands. And, you know, it's all kind of cornball, but I, I like the genre. When Ray is on the skimmer on the waves, that is so cool. I was so completely on the ride for that uh, and and i kept thinking of like how bad it was in um die another day when like james bond was like trying to was was on these waves and he was like it was so stupid and and yet this somehow i was really in i was in that space and i was I, those waves were scary and i don't know yeah. it really worked for me and we've never seen we've seen a couple of boats in star wars we've never seen a real sea travel like uh, like a tumultuous sea and and all that, I thought that was a cool new thing. Like we've seen, I think there's a, a what what's uh, why am I forgetting what it's called? The Italian, you know, uh, a gondola, a gondola in Attack of the Clones and stuff. And you know what this made me? I would love, you know, every, another thing is the screenwriters Chris Terrio and Abrams are just getting skewered all the time on online, and everything Chris Terrio says is uh, getting destroyed. <laughs> like talking about his reasons for choosing things, but I do want him to say. 
we were really thinking of pollen press burgers. I know where I'm going during this part. <laughs> you know how the whole her just to, whole just to annoy everybody. Well, no, because her whole motivation in that movie is to the sea is too tumultuous to get she to her get across. fiance yeah. across the sea, and finally they give up. They she she can't wait any longer, and she like hires the boy who doesn't know better to take her out, and it's dangerous. How did Finn and his girlfriend get onto that? Um, that they that they place? did the same thing she did. They did the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So at great risk, you know, and but. Barrel. Yeah, and and you know everything that happens on that Death Star. I mean, okay, let's talk about let's talk about Evil Ray for just a second. That was obviously also very derivative of the tree, uh, the cave. Yeah, in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, definitely. Did it work for you? No. Okay. <laughs> Not really. It doesn't. It's kind of a no it consequence. Came, it came right? at the wrong. It came at the wrong time. I oh, felt yeah? like you know I, I I don't I don't know when the right time is, but it didn't feel. It it didn't feel like it was a foreshadowing of a real challenge. It felt like it was the challenge when it happened, and it wasn't like I wasn't that interested in it or earned, and they didn't make a big deal. It seemed, again, like another kind of flick-of-the-wrist idea that doesn't actually get mined all the way through the movie, and either they needed to go, well, go bigger or go home, one or the other. Does it, so there's this this idea that she has this fear of turning dark. like She expresses this to Finn. I saw myself on the on the throne, throne, yeah. But that comes before this, so maybe a vision of yourself as evil maybe comes before. Yeah, the because because of, when she said that shit about being on the throne, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe it's going to turn out that the two of them are going to turn into good guys, and they'll be on the throne, and she'll have just read it wrong. You know, I was like, right. I thought it was the okay. I read the tarot card the wrong way. It was negative rather than positive. But again, it could have been, and, and we don't know this because they don't show us. Uh, is this is this Kylo fucking with her again? I mean, I, I think that works. Like at the beginning, he's kind of tooling with her. He's able to make the remote mess with her in that opening training scene. So there's beat one. Okay, he, he now that they've connected over space, which I think is fantastic. By the way, if people have a problem with that force power, I'm sorry. I don't understand. Oh, I, I it's love so the, cool. The, the, I, the <laughs> him reaching the, out and the, grabbing the the snatched necklace oh, was fantastic. Made me kind of I kind of gasped. I, I like, thought that was really great. And then all the and then yes. him, the discovery then of him like they knock over Vader, you know Vader's mask. Yeah. And he sees that pieces of that, and that's the re- revelation that he, okay, now I know where you are. And he and the way he goes, um, I'll come tell I'll come tell you. He says you don't know everything. He goes. I'll come tell you. And he just, I thought that was fantastic yeah. too. That's a nice little beat. That, that stuff but, worked way better than, um, it kind of worked way better than it worked in the last movie. Well, the, the, the last movie was just setting it up. They were just yeah. learning. I, I yeah. think it worked fine. And I think it, this is the best, probably the best thing that J.J. Abrams took from Ryan Johnson. I think he was, a lot of the things that, <laughs> that Johnson set up, maybe Abrams either didn't like or didn't care about that much. That was one thing that he really knew what to do with, I think. Yeah. And I thought they did great, but so if he, but if he can manipulate what's going on with her in a given moment, um, too, and kind of fuck with her, maybe we get another beat of that with this evil Ray, and and maybe that maybe he was doing that on the Death Star because he does show up right afterwards, but we don't know that he's doing that. So if he does that, but earlier and gives her like instills her with more fear, which then becomes the thing that Luke talks her down from, this idea of being filled with fear. Um, then I think we're in the right order here. Again, there's another place where I think the big problem with this movie is that things are out of order. Uh, it's got an editorial problem. Like, it, it feels cobbled together where there's 
Like if you just moved scenes around a little bit, I think a lot of things might work. In the script, you mean? Yeah, in the script. In the script. As the before, story lays before out. Before it was shot, yeah. Um, I was going to say, there was that other thing that you reminded me of that I had a big problem with. And it is it's it seems like they forgot what the scene was about. And that's when Luke and Ray have their talk, which is fine. But at the end, she's like, okay, I'm ready to go back out there. But my problem is... I don't have that wayfinder thing. Okay, so she she literally expresses, this is my problem now. Here's my obstacle. And Luke goes, um, restating what Leia said to her at the end of Last Jedi, which was the point of him saying it, I think was, I think you have everything you need. She just goes and grabs the wayfinder thing. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. And then, right after that, we get that big moment where he replays the Yoda lifting the the... X-Wing, and I'm okay with him doing it. I don't care. That Why wasn't the problem that she didn't have a ship? Like, right. They yeah. forgot that her... They, it's like they forgot what the scene was about. Yeah. Like, the problem is I don't have a way to get out of here. So here, I'm going to solve that for you. What the hell happened there? Yeah. That was just like a completely botched moment in the movie. I forgot about that one. That was one of the big problems I had with it, because, like, well, every, people in the theater loved it when he lifted that X-Wing out. Everybody was clapping yeah. and stuff when I saw it the first time. And I was fine with it too, but on that second view, I was like, "Hold on, that doesn't make any sense. This isn't a big moment because you just said the problem was that thing that she just picked up anyway." Okay. Yeah. yeah. Another example of I do think, while I, I I'm I'm dubious of people's claims, like uh, to of knowing what went on behind the scenes of this movie, it does seem pretty clear that this movie got fucked up, <laughs> like got fucked with by the brass, and there was a lot of scrambling. It does seem clear to me because I, Jay James is not the best filmmaker in the world, but he doesn't make those kind of mistakes that much, yeah. man. I mean, that's just like, I, I can't think, I've seen all of his movies. I can't think of one point in time, uh, he the terrible story choices he made in like uh, the Wrath of Khan remake that he made, Into Darkness. Um, there's still no bad scenes like that where the, I don't know what the scene's about and it's so stupid that I can't even fathom what they were thinking. This movie has that, and I'm thinking that it's because things were, they scrambled and they changed behind the scenes. I was sort of surprised that um, when I saw Richard E. Grant show up, I was really excited. And yeah, me too. I was really kind of sad because he didn't do anything. He, If you think about Peter Cushing, for example, in Star Wars, he's really enjoying what he's doing. He's making choices. You see a lot of different colors in that performance, and there's times when he's... You know, and and I didn't see any colors in this performance by Richard he's E. Grant. Such a great actor. He's such a great actor. So you just wonder, like, was he not well, or was he mad, no, or was he not getting any help from the director, or yeah, who knows? Well, you know that um, this goes way back, and and I guess it could be rumor, but I think it's a pretty well substantiated thing. Was that um, ex Doctor Doctor Who Doctor Matt Smith was supposed to play a prominent role in this movie? And a lot of people think that whatever they didn't like about this movie, what maybe whatever got Colin Trevorrow fired, whatever, was him and his character. And it could be that Richard E. Grant was kind of a, just shove another baddie in there. Because he kind of feels like that. Yeah, he does. He, there's nothing, He, you're right, he doesn't do anything. It's almost as if he should have been revealed to be the spy and also somehow linked to, mm -hmm. like he should have shown up and him and Leia should have been like, oh, haven't seen you in years. Anything. Because that's the other thing is like this business, like was there any second where you didn't know that Hux was the guy 
that was the spy? I mean, when they revealed it and everybody acted surprised, I was like, yeah, who else would it be? There's literally no other character it could be unless yeah. you tricked me and it was Richard E. Grant. And then you somehow gave me something that made it seem like it made sense. Yeah. Clearly, of course, Hux hates Kylo Ren. Now, another thing is, if you want to get Star Wars nitpicky, if he's the spy, how does Kylo Ren not know that? He knows that he doesn't like his mask. <laughs> right. Like, hey, I can tell you don't like my mask. Well, you can't tell that I'm a spy, or does he just like? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's Star yeah. Wars nitpicky that doesn't. But, need to happen. but, but that whole time, it's like, again, the boardroom scene with the mask and we like your mask. I mean, all that stuff was sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, it wasn't very good. Somehow, I feel like if Ryan Johnson had to pull that off, he'd find a way to pull that off and make it funny. Whereas, well, it, 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 there wasn't. It wasn't that funny, you know. I don't know. We Dude. know Ryan Johnson. Hand Ryan Johnson the uh, this the outline of this movie. Let's say. Hey, Ryan Johnson, here's the outline of Rise of Skywalker as we end up seeing it. Now, you write something. You do your, take a pass on this. He's going to think about every one of the points of this movie and how he can make it a surprise, how he can make it not be the easy answer, how he can make it clever, funny, all those things. And and we know he does that. We've seen it in numerous films now. So and he and he gets handed a Star Wars movie and that's what he did all along the ways. He goes, I know I got to check these boxes, but I'm going to check this box like from the left side. <laughs> yeah, right. you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm going to put an X in the it box is going to get check. checked, but it's not going to be the way you think it's going to get checked. Yeah, I think he would have done the same thing with this, and maybe Colin Trevor Trevorrow would have too. I mean, I don't certainly don't like Colin Trevorrow movies. I haven't seen any I've liked, but uh, but maybe at least maybe the script would have been better than this one and well thought up i was sort of charmed by the little mechanic guy uh who clearly they got from uh, island of dr moreau and um and i was also uh i was also kind of um charmed by the whole 3po thing oh 3po in a way that might be the best thing about this movie because he always gets the shaft that guy right and that's always been fun but he kind of got a real character in this movie Maybe for the first time. Yeah. I mean, he's always been so. just kind of like broad, you know, oh, he's a cantankerous droid. Um, everybody gets annoyed with. And in this one, he got, he was really funny. He got to hold the key to the plot for a little while. Got red eyes. Uh, he got red eyes. I that was cool. And I, I loved 3PO in this movie. I thought that was a great send off for that character. I assume we'll never, we'll never see him again, probably. I don't know that they had to restore his memory back the way that um, R2 had it all in his memory banks. I don't yeah, know. That was... I don't know. It seems like they were working really hard to make everybody happy. And I'm not sure you needed to check that. I'm not it, sure there was a box even to be checked, but they certainly made it. Yeah, why not? You see, I, that, that's always been my problem with the ending of WALL-E <laughs> is how the same thing happens. Yeah. She, if I'm remembering right, well, she restored, his memory gets fully restored. And I always thought, well, wouldn't it have been so much more romantic for them to just fall in love again? The yeah. two droid, the two robots that fell in love the first time, isn't it a more romantic idea that he could forget all that and still fall in love with her again? Yeah. Anyway, that's always been my problem with the ending of that movie. Why can't him and R2 just start over? I mean, 3P already had his memory erased once, right? The, at the end of the prequels. Just stick with it. Yeah. But they did this smash cut too, because you, they, when he's like, I don't remember anything, R2, and then it smash cut to him restoring his memory, and so it was supposed to be a laugh moment, and I didn't, it's not, it's yeah. not funny. But whatever, who cares? <laughs> like, I, those things are not of really any consequence. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's still a Star Wars movie. It's just a Star Wars movie. And I don't mean just to be a bad word, but no. it is a certain thing, and it's not going to be Dr. Zhivago or, or 
I don't know, Schindler's List. I mean, it's not what Star no, Wars is no. going to be. It's yeah. going to be Star Wars. I want to be pleasantly surprised by a truly great Star Wars film. Like The Last Jedi. To me, The Last Jedi is like truly great. It's a great film. Not just a Star Wars movie. Great film. Like If you really want to see truly great movies, they're out there. They're, this year in particular, which we might end up talking about in another episode, um, has been a particularly good year, I think. And there's a lot of great films out there that a lot of people, like some of them are actually kind of hits on a lower level than Star Wars. But a lot of people are complaining about, spending so much time complaining about Star Wars not being a great movie. Go see a great movie. They're out there, man. There's people out there making original material that are smart as hell, that are doing fresh things with the craft of cinema. And you're just sitting around tweeting about Star Wars. Give it up. It's over. Star Wars, you didn't like it? Don't watch it again. Go watch something else. I think that's a perfect note to end on, John. Okay. That's a good one. I hope. Sorry if I came up as a crusty, curmudgeon and the final okay. grandpa right there. That's okay. You, uh, we know <laughs> your, We know where your heart is. Yeah. We, you, you, your heart is with Star Wars at all times. It is. So it's, it's important. And Archer says it's the great Rise of Skywalker is the greatest Star Wars movie ever made. Well, there's nothing better than a <laughs> seven-year-old's endorsement for a movie. But he also says, ah, the newest stuff is usually the best stuff. Of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, everybody, thanks for uh, joining us. We don't know what's on the horizon uh, with Alien Minute, but um, we'll, we'll let you know whatever we do next. So uh, I hope everybody has a, uh, a safe and happy, wonderful 2020, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right.